Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. I'm Shane Bacon. Uh, we have golf happening. We also have Claire Rogers happening. Claire is back on the podcast, and uh, we've got a kind of a different approach to the podcast. Yeah. Today. You're going to take over hosting in just a bit. But first things first, we were talking before we got going, and I was like, let me hit record, and we can actually chat about this on the podcast. Uh, your role at golf.com is just ever-expanding. You're going to be on the road a little bit. I am. I'm very excited. So I have um, – I'll be at the Waste Management. Have you been? Exciting. Have I been? No. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? I don't even drink beer, and I feel like that's, like, the ultimate place to be, like, right? But it'll be fun. So if, if you go to, like, a baseball game or a sporting event, are you just not drinking, or do you get, like, a cocktail or what? Yeah, like I love a Moscow Mule, but yep. like you can't just get that anywhere. I went to like a dive bar the other day and asked for one, and they're like, "We don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> um, but sometimes I just like won't have anything, and then if we go out after, I'll like get a drink. But beer is not my thing. Just not into the taste. Yeah, but I've always asked like, how many beers does it take for you to start liking it? And most people hit that you know minimum in like high school or college. Right, but right, I right. Didn't. So now I'm just committing to just never probably having a full beer. Just not going to be your thing. It, it might. Never. So since when I first started dating my wife, she was not a beer drinker and is still not really a beer drinker. But it was interesting because I told her, I said, you know, you'll find one you like eventually. Inevitably, you'll find something you like. And uh, she took to Stella. I remember we used to go to this little oh. dive bar place, uh, pre-kids, pre-dog, pre-everything, when we were just a couple of idiots, like, walking around at night aimlessly. And she would do Stella's. And uh, But I don't know if I've seen her have a beer in, like, two years. So it obviously yeah. didn't take. Well, okay. So over the summer, I'm like, again, Moscow mules are just, that's my go-to. And over the summer, my dad was like, you need to like know a wine that you like. So we okay. were out to dinner and he had me order four <laughs> glasses of wine and I, and just try each one. So now I know I like Sauvignon Blanc. So okay. I can always, is that like basic? I don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, I think, any, <laughs> I think as long as, again, listen, there's only judgment in this world when people are really feeling judgy. You can yeah. like whatever you want to like. I would say as long as you didn't say Merlot there, I feel like you were going to be okay. If right, you just said Merlot, I'd have seen people probably throw rocks. <laughs> so now I know that I can have that, but maybe I'll just need to do like a beer tasting. But yeah, so I'm going to that and then I'm going to be at the Genesis, which I'm really excited for. I went to that last year. So you went to LA last year and you've never been to Scottsdale. So let's quickly talk before we kind of get into the meat of the podcast. Let's quickly talk about things you need to do with the waste management. Okay. Obviously, I'm assuming you're going to do, do you have plans as of now on what you're going to kind of attack in terms of writing or are you kind of think that when you get there? Um, probably think about that when I get there, but I, I like, I always do like a Rogers report. So I'll probably do like a daily yep. one of those, just my, you know, seen and heard there. So I think, um, who is it? Pat Perez, which I'm assuming he's not playing in this thing. Cause he's a live guy now. Right. Yeah. But he would always drive to the course every day in a different car. So that was always good content. Cause a lot of the cars were very, very fancy. I actually asked Ian Poulter once about the car thing and he got mad at me about it, which, um, I found interesting. I was a, I was a young journo at the time, Claire, uh, working for Yahoo sports. And he got a little, uh, testy with me about the car question because it wasn't during the press conference, but uh, a couple things you got to do. One is. You need to go. I, I've never really seen anybody do this, and I feel like you're a perfect person to do this. So go like on Friday or Saturday to 1617 and talk to a few people. You know, why are you here? Are you into golf or whatever? But then go to like five or six after that and talk to the people that are out there. Because if you go to the fifth hole or the sixth hole or like the T on 14, it'll feel like you're at a Corn Ferry event. Like it, it feels yeah. like 
you're not even at the biggest sporting event in the world. And to almost get those people's perspective versus what you might be getting from the crazy rowdy group that's been at 16 all day. Yes. Okay. Also something I realized that I love that people who aren't as inside golf do. So my sister lives in Phoenix and she's dating this guy and he, and this is no shade to him. I think he's great, but they refer to like their local tournament as the open. Yes. Big Phoenix thing. I love, he's like, Oh, are you going to be out here for the open? And I'm like, what? But I've also heard it at other events where like people call it the open. And I just love that so much. Cause I'm like, you know what? It should be like a major for you guys. I like that a lot. Local open. And I mean, that's the thing people are winning tickets to, and they're kind of thinking yeah. about who's going to get them box seats and all of those types of things. So yes, when you're in Scottsdale, when you're in Phoenix, basically from about mid-December until it happens, it's the open that people are talking about. Yes. Yes. There you is, go. Yes. That's right. We need a list of, uh, of, of how many opens there are to, in terms yeah. of like <laughs> the local community. I remember one time I asked Homa on this podcast, how many different events he played in in a year, you know, like opens and tournaments and invitationals might have been six you know they're like classics always get kind of forgotten a little bit yep. there's some just that are the like the american express <laughs> so um so we threw a few curveballs at him but that's very very exciting i'm uh, i'm pumped for you do you like being on the road are you into road warrior in out there for golf.com i've improved a lot i get like really nervous before i travel i'm not good on airplanes like don't like flying i don't know like yeah i don't think i do i've gotten better but like I have to fly in the morning or else I'm just a wreck all day. Okay, okay, okay. So okay. I've, I've like gotten things like that. And then it's like, but if I'm like on the road for two weeks, the outfit thing is so exhausting because guys can be like three pair of pants, five shirts, we're yeah. good. I'm like, no, I need a new head to toe outfit every day. Um, but I do like it a lot. I get exhausted, but I've started to like get into a good routine, I think. And I'm improving, bring some melatonin, you know, get set up. Man. You are, you are like wise beyond your years. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, these are things that I didn't start doing until I was 35. You know, it's like actually bringing, like my buddy Rusty who was on the podcast last week, brings his own pillow on the oh road now. I mean, that's a very old thing, but he gets headaches. So he has yeah. to have the right pillow to be on the road with. Um, we do, I mean, I bring like the foam rolling thing. I got a collapsible one. I mean, that is a, a, a well, constant on the road. Yes. I'll bring that. And then I also love, if you're getting a hotel, you have to get a hotel with two beds one to lounge on when you get back and then like one to sleep in once you're showered and everything. That's been like my new thing. I'm always like, write that in a note when they're like hotel requests. I'm like, give me a room with two beds. So Claire, if you're on the road for two weeks and this outfit thing is exhausting, what are we talking about in terms of check bags? Is this two bags? So I, I like when I get to bring my golf clubs because you just you know, pack it with stuff. super small oh, golf yeah. bag, like a Sunday yes. bag. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go in there. I only usually bring two pair of shoes. Cause I'm a sneaker girl. You're a sneaker guy. You get it. Yeah. Um, and then just, yeah, it was my birthday last week. Not to, you know, ask for a happy birthday or anything, but I got a lot of like, um, golf apparel from Lululemon. So I'll just, that stuff you can pack in tight and it's warmer weather. So you don't need a huge jacket. Yeah. The rolling thing is, is a new age deal for me yeah. with packing is I always roll stuff on the way out. So dirty clothes I would roll up. Now I'm into the rolling it up on the yeah. way in. So I, I mean, if you roll your shit, you can pack like three oh, weeks yeah. in one small bag. It's crazy how much stuff yeah. you can get in there. It's the shoes that are yeah. tough. When I'm leaving, everything just gets thrown into the suitcase. Just as long as it fits but, and I can get out of there. Yeah. My way there, I'm always very organized. So Hey, Claire, happy birthday. Happy belated. Oh my God, this is such birthday. a surprise. I can't believe, I know, I know. I had it written down on my notes. 
I was going to bring it up to you. <laughs> um, all right. So let, let's quickly talk a couple things before we get into the main part of this. One yes. is what's your excitement level for the Netflix show? Okay. I have two thoughts on this. Okay. I have to watch it with people who follow golf the way I do. I Agreed. can't watch it. So much love to my friends who are just like, you know, my friends from school and stuff. I don't think I'll be able to watch it with them because we're just going to experience it in two totally different ways. Totally agree with you on this. So for that, I would say like 10 out of 10 to watch with like my coworkers. Um, very excited. But if I were like, if someone was like, you have to watch this with your sister, I'd be like, I'm not excited for this. But I, I'm really excited just to see. It's cool. It's like it, just a, for us, it'll be like a year in review and like get to look at those storylines that maybe we haven't seen. I'm excited for like, I know um, Tony Finau's wife. I love her. I hope she's in it. Like those exciting, like family moments I'm excited for. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting. I've been watching the tennis one that they just put out on Netflix. It's been great. Um, the first episode is about Curios at the Aussie Open last year. And um, I'm always fascinated by those types of characters in sport, right? The ones that you don't totally understand their story until you actually hear it from them. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I watched Drive to Survive and I, and I got into probably the first couple seasons of that, uh, especially during COVID. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fired up for it. I don't know how much we're going to get on certain people that we want to see a lot of. And the one thing, Claire, and you said it is between doing the audiobook for Kyle Porter's Normal Sport, which, by the way, you should buy if you haven't bought it yet, and then listening to all the Shotgun Start Recap podcast, I feel like I've lived this past season a couple times already. And so yeah. I'm very interested in the stuff that I either don't know, didn't know, or had no idea what's going on. Those are the types of stories. And to your point, that stuff is going to be more fun to experience with people that are pretty into the golf space because they'll also be excited about those things coming out versus somebody like my wife who would just, everything that she's experiencing in theory would be pretty new. Yes, totally. And then I also just don't watch a lot of TV. So I'm excited like to have something that I know I'm going to be into. You can binge it. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. So, uh, from that, we go to today's main topics and uh, I'm going to let you kind of take it away here. Yes. All right. So Shane Bacon, we need to get to know you a little bit better. You're always talking to people on this podcast and we know each other, but I don't know your whole story. I feel okay. like, so I kind of want you to give me your life story and then I'll interrupt with clarifying questions, but kind of how you got into golf. And if you thought this was going to be what you did or just I'm I'm interested in all of it so I'll hand it over to you yeah so uh you know I grew up in East Texas in Marshall Texas which is a small town kind of close to Louisiana like 30 minutes from the Louisiana border um, I was a big baseball player my dad was a big golfer and I didn't get into golf till probably I was like 11 12 13 and I started to play and started to get uh, decent at it. And um, I had to basically pick between baseball and golf. And I picked golf, you know, going into high school. And so I uh, started to play relatively competitive golf in my area. I think my first AJGA tournament was, I think I was 16. I played in Abilene and I top 10. Uh, I shot my best round I'd ever shot in my life, not tournament round, but I shot 72 first round. I shot 67 the second round bogey free. Uh, I'll tell you an interesting story about that, Claire. I, I, I'd never had a bogey free round before, and I, I think I might have shot in the sixties once in my life. Oh, and I birdied seventeen to get to like five under. And I'm just like, my mom's out there. I have no idea what's going on. Like, I'm like, what in the hell's happening? Like, this is the stuff that you dream of doing is playing well in your first big national tournament, if you will. Eighteen has water down the left. 
and you know you're just like steer it right man like just don't hit it in the water you know i don't care what you do and i kind of finagle one out there somewhere in the fairway hit it on the green and i'm like 25 feet birdie and i was like i'm gonna shoot a bogey free round in my first ajga tournament and i'm i can't believe it i'm all jazzed up i'm now kind of thinking about where i stand in the tournament uh i chunked the putt i like no. I, like, I, yeah, I i hit it 10 feet and i had like now now i got like 12 feet left to save par not you know make a bogey and somehow make it which i was fired up about i think i got so frustrated by the first putt that it kind of like locked me back in yeah but when i did that in that ajga tournament it kind of opened the doors to some more opportunity in terms of national golf events i mean i qualified for an ajga major that year i made the cut and then finished dfl which was always fun um but you know, started to talk to some college coaches and realized that golf might be the path and the avenue. Uh, on the other side of that, I always wanted to get into broadcasting. So the broadcasting path kind of followed me throughout my life. Like I wrote a letter to Stuart Scott when I was a kid. I used to like record Keith Jackson games um, to kind of hear how he did the calls, you know, these college football games with his big booming voice. So uh, that was kind of my early years into it. And then I had an injury my senior year of high school with my wrist and I didn't play golf for about five months. Ended up not playing college golf because I had to go retry out to all the coaches that I was going to go play for. I was looking at Tulsa. I was looking at Tulane. I ended up going to Arizona, as you can see on my shirt, and um, didn't play college golf. Wrote about the school and the and the sport and golf for four years there. And yeah, I mean that was what was your major? Journalism, journalism, Got English. It. Uh, so U of A is not a big broadcast journalism school. It's a lot more print focused. But I mentioned, you know, the late Stuart Scott, that was part of the advice he'd given me when I wrote him a letter in high school was learn to write first, because if you want to do TV, especially at the time, I was like, I want to be on SportsCenter, you know, everybody wanted to be on SportsCenter. He was like, you have to write it. If you could write it yourself, it comes off so much better. So, you know, that was, I mean, that was the early golfing years, if you will, and kind of the early years, like yearbook editor. Um, we had like a TV network at our high school. Cause we had a, an, an old journalist that put $300,000 into it. And so, you know, I did that for basically my last two years, as much stuff as I could do in terms of that stuff. And then uh, went to college and, and most of it was print journalism at U of A. So would that be your advice to someone? Cause you get a lot of DMS. I yes. get a bunch being like, what's your advice to get into golf? If you want to, would that be your advice? Like keep writing or yeah, I, I would say, I mean, you know, my advice most of the time, because it, it's, this is a good question and this is something we do get a lot. I can only imagine how many times people ask you, I get a lot of DMS and stuff on Twitter and Instagram and young people that reach out. You know, my, one of my big things is try to find and it's hard to do now, but trying to find an area that's not been quite tapped yet or has only been tapped a couple of times, like find a different angle or a different approach or different hosts or whatever you can do to be a bit unique. And then my thing too is just write or talk or record yourself or do any of those things. Like nobody has to see it, but you've at mm -hmm. least got to put yourself out there so that you can see how you've improved. Because I can only imagine for you, Claire, going back as a 18-year-old to now, and to see the difference in how you would approach these types of things is night and day. And the same for me. I mean, there's videos of me doing broadcast stuff. Like I did the national finals rodeo for Yahoo sports in like, Oh, eight. And like, if you dig up that video, I mean, it would be maybe one of the worst things that's on the internet. So um, to just continually put yourself out there in terms of trying new stuff and just trying to perfect that craft of yours. I think the writing thing is very important there. I think of my first time on video was um, this putting lesson with Lee Westwood. Okay. And I kept saying we Lestwood, like in front of him, I'd be like, hi, I'm here with we Lestwood. And 
he would be standing there and he'd be like, we have to redo that. Like you just messed up. He was producing you. (laughs) And I'm like, shake, like I can't even have the lesson because I'm shaking. Because it's the first time you have like lights on you, camera on, very anxious. And when that finished, I just remember our producer was like, this is going to need a lot of editing. (laughs) You're like, thanks. Thanks. I was was relatively aware. Um, (laughs) When did you feel like for yourself, when did you feel like you went from we Lestwood feeling on front in front of a camera and doing your job to now like looking at you and you're just so comfortable in basically every walk of life in terms of the golf journalism stuff. Yeah. I still get nervous sometimes. It's kind of like hit or miss. I'll be like, Oh, I'm feeling a little anxious today and not be as comfortable. But I think I, from that, I definitely was like improving at a steady pace. And then once us open was in Boston and that was just, my friends were there, my family was there. And I just had this like, excitement and kind of like a home game where I felt like I could just do it all. So I think that was probably like the big moment that switched, which wasn't even that long ago, what, like six months, seven months. Um, But ever since then, I've felt like, all right, we can do this. We're fine. And I'm like, if I'm interviewing someone, they're not paying attention to me. They're looking at the player, hopefully. Right, right, right. Uh, By the way, if people that aren't seeing this on video, Claire is literally wearing a U.S. Open sweatshirt from the country club. So if you want to talk about how close it is to your heart, I mean, you're literally wearing the shirt from it. There you go. I usually don't get like a sweatshirt or something, but it was so cold. I think it was the Sunday of. Yes. But I was like, I have to get a sweatshirt. I'm going to freeze to death um social security number just kidding okay favorite golf i'm happy to give it out (laughs) hey are you weird about that stuff are you weird i mean not social security number for god's sakes but like my mom (laughs) if she sends me anything that would be considered secure she'll like email me four numbers text me three numbers like call me with the other numbers i'm like mom if somebody steals this from you, the bank will just give you it back. You don't need yeah. to worry about it. No, I'm not worried about it at all. Like I don't have it memorized. So I just have to saved as a, <laughs> I shouldn't say this. It is just saved as a contact in my phone as someone with the initials SS. It's like Sarah Sprague and you open it and it's fine. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't get stolen because it's okay. But Listen, it's I'm okay. like, I don't care. Yeah. What are you going to do with my identity? I'm not. Yeah. That one time my identity got stolen and I was like, Okay, someone wants to be me. What an yes. honor. <laughs> this is the Instagram, uh, fake Instagram account thing where you're like, exactly. oh, you love me. You love me I'm so like, much. Okay, you're are you guys one. obsessed with me or something? <laughs> All right, what do you have besides social number? Okay, um, I want to hear two things. Your favorite, you've done a ton of golf travel for work and you were just on like a buddy's trip, right? Yeah, yeah. So I want to hear about like your favorite personal golf memory and then like a moment where you were kind of like in the thick of it with the pros or at an event. Yeah. I mean, um, I went on a trip a few years back with uh, it was it was a Scotland Scotland golf travel company where we went and played a whole bunch of like the I'd call them hidden gems of Scotland. So um, like tourism of Scotland brought some of us over there might have been 12 or so of us. But the trip was basically to go play places that we hadn't heard of. So it wasn't the old course. It wasn't Kings Barnes. It wasn't Turnberry. You know, it wasn't Royal Troon. It was these small stops along the way. The interesting part is now, I mean, these places have now been, and I'll use the term exposed for lack of a better term, but considering Tom Coyne and some of these other companies that have gone over there and done a great job of just showcasing Scotland golf, you probably know more of the courses than I did at the time. But that trip was really special. Just, you know, you fall in love with this place you never heard of, and then you leave and go fall in love with the new place you never heard of. So I would say that trip was pretty awesome. I went on a trip to uh, South Korea a few years back 
uh, a media trip to South Korea. That was pretty epic. Um, rolled the red carpet out, played some awesome golf, had some amazing food. So uh, that was special. You mentioned the golf trip. My two-box trip is like my favorite trip of the year because it's basically like my best friends. There's 16 of us that go do that. Uh, I'm in charge of the merch. I mean, it was like $500 a guy for merch this year. Like it's astronomically, I mean, over the top and so silly, but everybody loves it. And we get so, uh, so into it. I mean, I can literally like look at my hats right now from these two buck trips over the Are year. Are they all good players like you or not? It's kind of a range. Uh, there's, there's three scratch golfers. Okay. There's a five. I think Andrew's a five. There's a couple of guys that are like nines, eights and nines. And then I would say the majority of the rest of those golfers are between 14 and 18 handicaps. So okay. it's more of the kind of everyday golfer or the average player than it is somebody that can shoot around par. And um, it's just like, we just go down there and hang out for three days. I mean, this is what I, I want to do that. in my life. And then what was the other one? The other question was, it was about the trips. And then what was the other one? More like when you maybe were working or like in the thick of it with Pro. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say I, I go back to um, Oakmont and Aaron Hills, uh, 16 and 17 U.S. Opens as like those big moments in my life where, you know, in 16, I, I was on the, the national broadcast team for the first time with Fox. And, you know, there were times where they're throwing to me, you know, Joe Buck's throwing to me for a Dustin Johnson interview. And those were kind of wild moments. And then 17, I was a little bit more comfortable in that space, but still pretty uncomfortable just because I knew the role A was visible and B was was rather important. And I'm like interviewing Ricky Fowler live, you know, on Fox during those uh, U.S. Opens. I mean, I remember I went up to Rory and I was wearing this really weird red shirt and he was wearing a really weird orange shirt. And we're like really clashing and he mentioned something about it because I was going to say something. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like those years looking back on them were um, the kind of the years where, you know, you're just young and excited and you don't know anything else. You don't know anything better. You're just so fired up to be a part of it. And so I would say 16, 17, you know, Oakmont, Aaron Hills were those two moments for me where I will always look back on those experiences as like, the holy shit, here we are kind of moments for me. Are those the ones, like, I always get asked, like, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? What's, are those the ones you would say? Or? I, I mean, uh, being the on-course reporter at that first match was pretty sensational. I mean, I, I went out, I went on a practice round. There were, like, eight people with Tiger and Phil, and I was one of them, you know, playing, like, six holes around Shadow Creek to get a feel for the drone and how close it was going to be to the players, the the betting, you know, in-match betting between the guys. I, I mean, you know, I, I like, I remember, I remember these are really weird moments. I remember standing at a urinal next to Phil at one point, you know, and you're like, this is so like, I can't believe, like, I can't believe this happened. I remember Tiger ordered steak for breakfast in the clubhouse, you know, one day where it's so social that you forget it's Tiger Woods, you know, and mm -hmm. you hear him order a steak and you're like, holy shit, Tiger just ordered a steak for breakfast. Like, this is amazing. So I, and I mean, just the broadcast team, like the scope of that broadcast team with like Ernie and Barkley and that whole crew being there was pretty surreal. So I would say of all the things I've done, that is probably one of those things that will stand out just because of the two people that were involved. I mean, these are the two golfers I grew up watching the most, you know, Tiger and Phil Mickelson. And then to all of a sudden be the person on the course asking them the questions during the match was an awesome feeling and a wild feeling. And uh, I still can't kind of can't believe it happened, you know. I remember I was working at Digest when that happened and I'm looking at Getty and I didn't know you at this point or I knew who you were and I kind of, and I was like, there were so many photos of you like with the headset on walking. I was like, who is this so guy? The headset and the belt. But I was also like, how can that be me one day? <laughs> because it was so cool. But it is funny you mentioned like 
the super casual stuff. When I was at the PNC, um, like, you know, they're ordering chicken fingers and fries. And I'm like, wow, you're so normal. (laughs) When you get older, you realize that the celebrity of this stuff is both more awesome than you thought it'd be and way less awesome than you thought it'd be. And the more awesome is Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Tiger, whomever. They're done golfing. They're driving to an airport. They're getting in their plane. They're flying home. And they're home before we probably even get to the airport or get through TSA, right? I mean, their experiences in terms of getting around the world is just so minimized versus what we deal with. But at the same time, they're eating chicken fingers or somebody's taking their order for breakfast or they're changing their socks because they got a blister. Like these things are what we go through and the things we deal with. And you also realize like they drive their car to the golf course and they have to get their bag out in the back of the car. Like, yeah, I just feel like when I was a kid, I felt like everybody catered to the celebrity that lives out there. And while that is true in some instances, it's definitely not true all the time. Definitely. Is there anyone that you feel like you still get a little starstruck by or no? I mean, any, you know, anytime you see Tiger, it's just crazy. I mean, I I was at the, what was it? The, the hero last year and we were having to test, you know, last year for COVID and I'm in line and he pulls up in his car to do his test. And you're just like, you know, you're just, you can't believe that this person standing in the same place as you it's tiger woods like this is still one of the probably what top 15 most famous people in the world so i would say tiger always is like that and then i don't know i I feel like when i see rory i get excited you know just because a i i like to talk to rory and i feel like we have a relationship where we can have a conversation you know Mm -hmm. about other stuff that's not just golf but i think just seeing rory in human form it's like you're our guy, man. Like you're our generation's dude. And I root for Rory and I get excited for Rory. So I would say those are probably the two. We've had that conversation where it's like, there's an age group of men on Twitter. Obsessed with Rory. Rory is their savior. Yep. So I'm, and I'm right in the middle of that. I mean, being 39, like if you're, you're between, you know, early thirties and mid forties, like you watched, you know, you watched chubby Rory, big hair, Rory got fit, Rory shirt off Rory at the Ryder cup beat everybody in the majors Rory. And then now you've got to see like adult Rory basically become the voice of professional golf. So uh, you've seen a lot of iterations of that guy. Yeah. I tweeted something about him a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't like, it was like a joke. And there were th- this army of like Rory defenders in my room. It's like the beehive of golf. Yeah. I was like, I wasn't coming after him. This was just, you know, like a bit that I was making. We kind of all already talked about this, but you travel a lot and any travel hacks you would give. Uh, one of my favorite one is the coat hanger clip on the blinds in the hotel room. So, you know, you close the blinds in a hotel room and you always get that slit of light. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the sun shines through in the morning and it's like just that little light and it's annoying. You get the coat hanger that has the clips on it for the pants and you clip that bad boy shut at night. No slit of light through. Mm-hmm. That's a big um, life hack of mine. You know what I don't understand? And it drives me nuts. How do we not have filtered water at these hotels so you don't have to get bottled water? How yeah. is this not a thing? Come on, guys. Especially they're all making an effort. They're like, yes, if you leave the do not disturb thing on. You'll help us save towels. water. You don't have to wash the towels. <laughs> and you're like, this is but this. We're throwing millions of plastic bottles away um, all the time. My other one is just if you can carry on, for God's sakes. I mean, it, it just... I will do anything and everything to carry on. It's a little hard in the golf world because of course you want to travel with your golf clubs, but the carrying on thing, it saves you like five hours a week. If you're traveling a lot. I didn't know that until recently, you know, they'll be like, you can, we can check your bag for free if you want to do it. And I would always be like, 
take it off my hands. You're good. Yeah. And now, no, I'm just going to keep it on me. So, okay. Someone who's been to, you've been everywhere. Is, do you still have like a bucket list thing, like a place you want to go, or do you feel like you've kind of conquered it? Yeah, I haven't played Sand Hills yet. Um, so I'm okay. working on that this summer for my 40th birthday party with some buddies. Um, I haven't played Pasta Tiempo, and I've always wanted to play that with Julie Inkster. So at some point, I'm going to have to get up to, to Northern California and uh, and take up Julie and go play Pasta Tiempo. That's very high on my list. I've never played golf in Ireland. I've never swung a club in Ireland. I've been to Ireland, but never played golf there. So very high um, in terms of that. And then, I don't know, I, I just like the hidden Jimmy places, like – just going to the going and finding you know the the little spots that you fall in love with once you play it once you know like I know there are high end clubs that fall in this world but like Kingsley Club is a great example of that knew nothing about it in Michigan went out on a guy's trip a few years back and just instantly fell in love with the place so I think that the nostalgia of falling in love with golf courses and golf experiences is something that I'm always trying to find because. You go to Bandon, it's awesome. You've been there. You go to Streamsung, it's awesome. You've been there. You go to Cabot, on down the list, Pinehurst, whatever you want to say. But going to the place for the first time with a group of guys for the first time, and you all get to see all the new stuff together, um, that's, you know, that's a travel thing that I really like to do, and that's a big part of, like, golf travel that's fun for me. Do you get recognized when you're out and about? At golf courses. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll, like, if I'm if I'm at a golf place, I might get recognized by one or two people, but like out in public, no, never, ever, ever, ever. Okay. Me neither, <laughs> but you're a little more. <laughs> All right. Let's see what else I have. Now, now, here's my question for you, Claire. Have you started to get recognized when you're at stuff? Yes. What do yeah. people say? What What is the approach? I love you. Oh my, no, just kidding. <laughs> my, they... I'm your biggest fan. You're <laughs> well, hilarious. Like, oh, Claire. And then I turn. And whoever I'm with will like roll their eyes because I'm always joking. Like, I'm always like, oh my God, I'm famous. Like, because it's awkward, you know? Right, right, right. And they're like, all right. Um, and it's usually like, I follow you on Twitter. Um, or a lot of times I'll go places and it's like a friend of a friend who knows I'm going and I know they're going to be there, but they spot me first because um, it was funny. I was at the PNC and when you're inside the ropes, obviously it's easier for them to see you. And then I was at a New Year's party and my friend's roommate was like, oh, I saw you at the PNC. I was like, oh, were you watching it on TV? And he said, no, you know, I was there. And I was like, oh, you should have said hi, but he didn't. So just, just, it's just, more like that. Yeah, I saw you, I saw you walking by. You're like, you can you can say hello. Like it's not, it's not, it's, it's not. I'm doing it's like nothing. Breaking I'm, I'm a like law. That's yeah, right. exactly. But um, yes. Okay. Um, Let's see. How was the, P did you like the PNC? It was so much fun. Yeah. I, it was the most fun I've had. I don't want to say ever because that's kind of like, it, but definitely my most fun work trip. And I'm just someone who loves being around golf at every level. I love amateur golf. I love college golf, professional golf. And you got all of it there. You know, yeah, that's a good point. it was just the best week. It was a long week. Cause I was in um, Florida for something else for work on the Sunday. And then PNC didn't start till Thursday. So I was just hanging out in Florida, which was great. And then um, I was, became like kind of Tiger's like rope guy, you know, nice. someone's got to do it. So he'd yeah. be going and I just, what do you say? What do you say? Like, thanks or give you any acknowledgement? Thank you so much. No way. You got it for me again. Thank you so nice. much. Uh, and you asked, you asked Tiger a question, correct? Yes. I got how, to ask how was the, questions. how was the nerves before? Um, okay. So Doug Ferguson, I forget what I was going to ask, but he took my question. And then the guy who like facilitates it pointed at me, and was like, you're next. 
I was like, oh my God, I don't have a question. That'll be so embarrassing. And I ended up, I was, I ended up asking, what did you learn about each other's games this week? He and Charlie, and it was great. Like Charlie answered first. He made Tiger laugh because he said it shocked him that he put that Tiger played as this was like a viral video yeah. moment, Claire. You I mean this was like when Rappaport asked the question last year at the Masters about can you win? Remember? And that was like yeah. the one everybody took. I feel like your question was what everybody took away from that press conference. I didn't realize yeah, you beat so him up. Thank gosh, because and I wasn't nervous. I remember the first question I ever asked was um I asked Jordan Speed the question at like the 2016 or 17 travelers. My heart was pounding, sweating, voices shaky. And then it was Tiger Woods and I was fine. But for like 30 seconds, not even that much, I was freaking out. I didn't know what I was going to ask him. I was like, Doug, darn it. You you beat me to it. But it ended up obviously working out. But it was just the most fun week. And I cannot wait to go back. And not even just that, but, you know, seeing Nelly Corda, like get right. to play with, um, Jordan Spieth and the parents. It was just, it was like a fun family friendly week for sure. So the the blow up of this event has been pretty astounding over the last three years. I mean, obviously it's been the tiger factor and the fact that he's been playing when he hadn't been playing, but I think that because tiger has invested himself into this event with his son, we are seeing how great the event has always been mm -hmm. because again, it, I mean, What's cooler than than watching a parent and a kid play golf? Like it's the only sport that you can really get to do this in, and to see it in a competitive format is pretty wild. But I feel like Tiger's kind of opened the world's eyes to one of the real special golf events out there. Yeah, even the practice rounds because or the pro ams, I guess there was a practice round and he didn't play in it, but we went and Stuart Sink's older son Connor, just people I would never think to that I probably never would have met, and we're talking to him could not have been kinder. He's asking me and my coworker, James, what's the favorite thing you've ever written? Can you send me a link to it so I can read it? He's talking about being, you know, in the PGA tour daycare as a kid and how they had this Facebook group once they got older to kind of everybody could meet up. It's just, and you know, if your dad missed the cut, you didn't get to go to daycare over the weekend. And that was kind of a bummer. So just little things that you learn that I don't think you would learn anywhere else because it's such a relaxed environment and it's so much fun. Claire, I'd say in our profession, the feeling of, I don't know what I'm going to ask next has got to be, I mean, I've had it a hundred times, you know, we're like, I'm on live TV and I had it, like you said, I had an idea of where I was going to go with the next question and either they answered it already or they go there and, you know, you're just sitting there, especially when you're on camera and you're having a smile and you're like, I have no idea what I'm about to say, but you have to say something. You can't just right. sit there and say nothing. So you've and got you're to come almost up with not listening. Yes, you're not even listening. Correct. <laughs> we did this walk and talk with Colin Montgomery <laughs> and my phone locked as opposed to, you know, where all my questions were. And we have this lull and I just go, what's your favorite color? <laughs> what did he say? Blue. Blue. I was like, that makes sense. You're wearing a lot of navy. Yeah. And then finally I was able to unlock my phone and I was like, oh, that's horrible. I asked him his favorite color. I think I knocked, I think I had my phone in my lap like early, like talking about those early interview years. I think uh -huh. I like had my phone here and it was like a live interview and it fell on the ground. Oh no. And you're like, oh God. But it's it's interesting. I mean, I try to write minimal amounts of stuff down now you know like now i mean obviously i mean doing it for a few years i try really hard to write down two or three things 
and that's it. And then almost all the questions come in terms of like reactive questions to what they're saying. And that's where you can get, you know, a lot of the good stuff, but it also puts you in a position where you will be frozen at times and thinking to yourself, I have no idea where I'm going to go here. I better ask about his favorite color, his favorite fruit, right? Or, or I'm going to be screwed. I mean, blue makes sense for Colin Montgomery. I mean, Scottish flags, blue and all that stuff, but um, I, uh, that's great. I, I love, I love that you just went there. I also love your confidence that you're happy to just go there and just be fine with it. I think, you know, a year ago, I would have been mortified afterwards and been like, this is the word. Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. People and you get right back it. to it. Absolutely. I have like two more things, but each is a two-part question. Okay. Something you would change about golf and something like your favorite thing that you hope never changes about golf. Oh, I love something that I hope never changes about golf. Um, I, I'll say, I hope that, Augusta never allows phones. I hope that never happens. Um, I, I find that week special for a host of reasons, obviously, but the fact that there's everybody's present in that situation while they're there is one of the real special moments. It's the only place in the world that really happens outside of like a Chappelle comedy show, you know, where you're going to go and you're gonna have to lock your phone in a bag. I mean, I just, I remember I, my sister probably three, four years ago, uh, a badge popped up like day of, and a friend of mine was like, I have an extra badge. And my sister lives in Charleston. And I texted Alicia and said, do you want to go to the masters? You know, I mean, she's a sports fan and she's like, yeah, let me see if I can get somebody to watch the kids. And she got a babysitter and she came my way. And I remember we were like figuring out as we were going to leave, like, how do I find you? And I remember giving her my watch, like taking my watch off my wrist and putting it on hers. And I was like, I'll be back in the media center. And I'll have, I know what time it is, but hmm. you don't have any clue what time it's going to be when we're supposed to meet. And, you know, you, it's just such an old school way of thinking. And it's like, you know, I mean, I was, I experienced a little bit of the no phone thing, you know, kind of growing up. I'm sure you probably didn't, but I hope that never, ever, ever changes. And, um, and that's just one of the real special things about the masters. And I'd say in terms of things that I hope would change, you know, it's something I've talked a lot about is it's a sport that should be more mixed gendered. I mean, it should have it should have been like this a long time ago. Um, having LPGA and PGA tour players getting together multiple times a year and leaning on each other to get the best out of each other, I think is an auto layup. And as we live in a world that's trying to showcase and highlight, you know, not just the male golfer world or the male athlete and trying to do as much as we can for everybody else in this walk of the world. I hope that eventually that changes, but I just feel like that's something that should have already changed. And I hope it eventually does change. I agree. I think what is it? The QBE shootout. That was a good start. Totally fun to well, watch. I mean, the JC Penny, like back, way back in the day, like they had the JC Penny's whatever mixed tour event where they had somebody from from all tours playing together. And then you think about Annika and Kari Webb playing with Tiger and that whole thing. It's like to put these people in these positions to get full exposure and to benefit from the popularity of these male players you know it's it's what rising tides rise all boats right i mean why not do this to help out lpga players and give them even more exposure because that sport has grown and the popularity has grown why not do as much as we can to keep that happening yeah and i think this you know, obviously this isn't as competition based but i'm so excited that nelly corda is now with taylor made because taylor made does such a good job of doing fun things on social, getting right. their players together. And now Nelly will get to be a part of that. I'm so excited to see, you know, the holiday card next year and all the fun stuff that they do. And I, she's going to crush it obviously, but 
it'll be really fun to see. Yeah, integrate her with all the superstars you have under your roster is a really, really smart thing. And I agree with you. I hope that they do as much as they've been doing because um, if they can, again, anything you can do to highlight how freaking awesome Nellie Corda is, is a good thing. Yes. Okay. And then my last thing, we always did this growing up, my family at the dinner table, and now I've brought it over to work trips and I make everyone do this every night at dinner. I think we did this at the players last year. If I know where we're going with this, let's see. High, low and something you learned. Yes. Oh yeah, we did when we were out to dinner. Yeah, we went to that but Mexican food place. I want you to place. do it of not like the last day, but of the 2022 golf season. So my, so the highs of the 22 two golf season the low for the, you like yep. here yeah but start with the low so that you end on a positive gotcha low. gotcha gotcha um you know i would say you know the low for me was not having to talk about live consistently but it just being in our peripheral like i, I mean if you want to be a live fan i don't care if you want to be a pga tour fan i don't care i'm gonna always watch the pga tour over live simply because i like the history of the game and that's just kind of where my interest sits but it just constantly being involved in golf. And we'd have these sensational moments, you know, like the PGA Championship and this great playoff. And then to have to go back to that live stuff always and the constant grumbling and people complaining. I would also say a low for me was probably having a professional golfer sue me for $750 million. I'd say is probably high on the list um, just because- I did learn though, you go by your middle name through yes, that. Yes, yes, there you go. That's your so... that's your item. <laughs> Benjamin is my first name. I, I've never once in my life gone by Benjamin, not even from like day one of birth. But yeah, that is, that is if anything came of that, it's that people know Shane is not actually my very first name. So I would say that's was both kind of a weird high and also a low is, <laughs> I mean, almost being sued for a billion dollars is a weird thing to have to deal with. Um, I would say a high- um, was working the open at St. Andrews. Um, you know, I caddied there in 06. I remember bugging Jerry Tardy after a round. How do I get to do what you did? You know, like he, I literally waited behind the 18th green because I heard he was out there and, you know, sat around. I'm like some, you know, snot-nosed 22-year-old kid asking him for advice. Um, so to go from, and I'm looking like I have a St. Andrews picture right in front of me on my wall, like to go from the caddy experience of 06 to sitting you know in a booth overlooking the 18th green doing it on tv in a suit was a surreal and awesome experience just professionally and personally i mean st andrew's my favorite golf course in the world and to just get to be a part of that week was was very very special um something i learned in 2022 about golf um i i think you know what i think what i learned and we touched a little bit on this but i felt like Rory McIlroy was someone that I would like listen to. And I was always interested in what he had to say, but to see the leadership that he provided, not just himself and his peers, but also in theory, his, if you want to call them bosses, you know, some of the people that had the tour and that had these big tournaments, the fact that Rory was comfortable enough to talk in these moments and to talk so eloquently about everything that was going on. And uh, at times kind of touch both sides and say, we should in theory be coming together. I just, I went from respecting Rory McIlroy as a professional golfer to respecting Rory McIlroy as like a professional leader mm -hmm. in 2022. And I think my takeaway from the year will be that. And even, I mean, Claire, even the open, you know, even him having a chance to win at St. Andrews and coming up short and listening to him after and hearing the way he talked, like he's a special dude and we don't get these types of special people in sports that often. And so I would say my, my level of respect 
for a guy like Rory to do what he does with all the money he has in the world and all the fame he has in the world to be putting other people first was a good reminder of just being a good person versus just being a good professional. I like that a lot. That's so true about Rory. It is once in a generation almost that you see these players who come in and kind of can, I don't know, change the dialogue around. Like I've always been, I've always been so impressed by LeBron, you know, like I know LeBron um, has said some stuff that could ruffle people's feathers, depending on where you sit politically. Right. I understand that that is something that LeBron has done at times intentionally, right. To push the envelope in terms of what he cares about and what he should care about. I have always stood there and just been floored by LeBron freaking James being an 18 year old on the cover of SI, the chosen one. And for him to actually live up and surpass all of the expectations we had about the guy and to never get in trouble one time, like to not have one negative thing. The lone thing you could point to was the decision, which what raised like $5 million to the YMCA and charities and boys and girls groups and stuff like what LeBron has been able to do in his career has consistently floored me. And I've just been so impressed of him as, as a professional, even more so than being a professional basketball player. And I feel like Rory is kind of that for us in golf. And so um, to be able to kind of sit there and watch all these people that are so good and so talented also be so smart and so well-spoken is uh, you're like, man, are you bad at anything? Like, I guess Rory can't throw, right? Like we've seen Rory throw and it's kind of weak. So maybe that's like the one thing we, maybe he's not good at soccer either. He got injured playing soccer. So maybe it's like golf and leadership. Yeah. I have this conversation with my coworker, Dylan, because he's such a good writer. And then we played pool and he was really good at pool. And then we did something else and he was really good at that too. And he told me he's not a great swimmer. And that made me feel good because I have about like two or three really good, you know, talents. What if we were going to list our, we're going to list Claire's talents. Like if there was a, <laughs> a LinkedIn page for you just personally, what do you think you would put up on your one, two, and three? Oh, geez. Maybe I only have like, well, I'm thinking I'm decent at my job, right? Like, I think you're good at your job. I don't think you need to say decent. Thing, I'm, it's I think clay. you're good. Let's say you're good. Let's go with good. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, I think I'm decent at connecting with people. I'm a good conversationalist. Good at it. Um, I would say not decent. Good at it. Let's hey, listen. It's okay. If you say you're good at something This nobody's going to say you're being an a-hole <laughs> by saying that I would say you're good at both of those things. We, we just released the max cover and I asked him his biggest, greatest strength. And he was like, I think I'm pretty nice. Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty nice. Right. So well, yeah, I mean, his best skill is spelling. That's easily max Homa's best skill. Is he a good speller? Oh my God. Unbelievable. We did a spelling bee on this podcast during COVID and I think he got all of them right, but he might have won a spelling bee when he was a kid. But okay. I threw a couple of, yeah, I threw a couple of words I didn't think he'd get, like not even close. And yeah. he nailed them every time. So um, very, very good speller is Max Homa. Yeah. But then I'm like really bad at booking travel. Horrible at booking. There's, I've never had a smooth travel experience for work. I, I do something. Wrong day, wrong time, connections. What's the deal? Everything. Yeah. Or I leave my phone at the kiosk and then I get in and I'm like, oh my God, there's just, like, it never is perfect. There's okay. always an issue. And then I get mad at myself because, and I'll be texting like my coworkers, what do I do? What do I do? And no one answers because they're teaching me to figure it out by myself. So those things, or yeah, I'll just not know how to use you know, the golf.com website where you're changing things and I mess something up. There's always something. So I have a lot of weaknesses, but some people like, it seems they just have all these strengths, which is good for them. So my buddy, Joel Klatt, who is like the lead analyst for Fox's college football, like their main programming, Joel played professional baseball. Okay. Professional baseball. Yeah. Then he went to college and walked on and became the starting quarterback at Colorado. Okay. 
He's a scratch golfer now, and he's really nice. He's good looking. He's athletic. He's got like a great family. I'm just like, bro, Papa shot. I played him in Papa shot one time. He was incredible at Papa shot. I just am waiting for maybe he's a shitty speller or, you know, yeah. maybe like, like, what is he a 20 handicap? Yeah. Maybe he can't book travel or something like this, but my goodness, I haven't seen it yet. No, that's why it's good that Adam Scott's pants don't fit well because yes. he one weakness. He can't dress. I mean, he can't dress. Yeah. He cannot dress. I will tell you, I was at a title issue years ago with Adam Scott and um, they had all these hats on a table, you know, that you can wear like new fresh hats. Cause they obviously want you to have a new hat when you're in the commercial. And he said, it was me and Ian Poulter. And he goes, I can't wear those hats. And he pointed at a rope hat. He goes, I can't wear those hats. I look goofy in them. And I was like, bro, I'm standing there. I was like, bro, you're, you're Adam Scott. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, you don't look goofy in anything. Right. And you know what? He put it on, looked a little goofy. Now I wouldn't say full goofy, but he does have a small enough head to where maybe the hat doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And you know what? At least he's aware of it. You got to know your blind spots yes. or else. Totally. So yeah. So I, I, and I would also say, Claire, I think that in the last year and a half, two years, I think you're like the leading candidate for breakout superstar of golf Twitter. Like, <laughs> I think that if there was an award we gave out every year, I think you would have either won in 21 or 22 or maybe both. Who knows? Thank and Steve you. Stricker won back to back comeback player of the year. <laughs> we have this um, Rogers child of the year trophy that we award the night after Christmas every year. Okay. How many and times have you won it? I think my dad like kind of tries to give it to everyone. It's annoying, but this year I won it. Me and my sister had to split it. He said it was a tie. Oh no. And I was so mad. Oh, it's like, the, <laughs> what is it? Jason kid, Grant Hill co-rookie of the year that year in 95. Yeah. Like, no, thank you. I was like, I don't even want this if we're going to share it. <laughs> so, all right. So hold on before we got, I need to, I need to live here a little bit more about this. So um, do you have to present yourself like to the committee? No, like, all okay. children are eligible. Okay. How does, how does the voting go? So no, no, it's fee picks. Okay. Dad picks. <laughs> and we have this trophy and it says Roger's child of the year. We started this in like 2018 and well, the night after, you know, the night after Christmas is a letdown. Yes. Holidays, well, you still have New Year's, but whatever. You're not getting gifts, whatever. So we'll all have a slow day. We'll be in the living room, and he'll kind of bring the trophy in, and he goes through each child and kind of gives their credentials of the year. So-and-so graduated college. They're, my sister doing a year of service. I did a lot of travel. My brother's yes. in business school. My little sister, fifth grade, is a rock star. She Straight A's, all this stuff. And... Then he kind of says, it's been a really hard decision. He doesn't do runner up. He just goes right to the winner. And then it's a lot of like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, your, then, dad, your dad sounds amazing. Like, I oh, love this Oh, he's my favorite stuff. person. Yeah, okay. he's hilarious. We're going to the Celtics on Thursday. And he tried to uninvite me because Ooh. he thought he wanted a boys night. But then I said, I'm still coming. So, yeah, so who are they playing? I don't know. I <laughs> See, that's the thing. I'm not really into the football. I mean, he invited me to, sorry into the basketball, <laughs> basketball. Yes. he'll also invite he invited me to went to the dolphins patriots i'm not into it but i want to feel included so i don't know who they're playing i thought it was a bruins game i was like am i still going to the bruins he was like it was never the bruins it's the Celtics. <laughs> this is listen this goes back to your travel issues you're like i don't care i'm gonna show up i'm gonna have fun i'm gonna have a moscow yeah. mule and that's gonna be my yeah. i'll get popcorn and i want to feel included it's fine yes this is it and that, you know what probably gonna get a point towards 2023 Child of the year. Yes. You have an opportunity. Exactly. 
All right. So now how much golf con- consumption have you had the last two weeks? Cause it's obviously Hawaii and it's late night and there's a lot of football. And have you been watching a lot? Have you been watching a little? I have not been watching as much as I should, you know, but I'm constantly on Twitter. So I feel like I've seen the like big yeah. highlights, but I'm looking forward to it not being in Hawaii anymore, just because it'll be a little more easy to follow. What about you? Minimal, minimal. I, um, you know, we were on the road for like three weeks and we got home and Sundays I, I've convinced my three and a half year old son that on Sunday afternoons, we do quiet time in the basement. So it's, it's Henry and I, and I talk it up for the whole week. Like Sunday's quiet time, buddy. And he's like, yeah. And so we come down, bring snacks. Oh, we bring our iPad. He can watch his show and then I'll get all the sports on my TV. So it's really like dad quiet time, but I talk Henry into it. I mean, basically parenting is just lying to your kids all the time. (laughs) And, um, we did that this week. So I got to watch some of the golf on Sunday, not all of it. Um, I had Aussie open on the other TV. Then of course the football on the main TV, but I'm with you. I'm, I, I get a little bit more, I think I get excited for Hawaii but I get a little bit more involved when it gets to continental US. Yes, exactly. It's just easier to follow. You know, I'll be up like making a winner's graphic at 10 PM and my heart's just not as in it as I would yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, if we have, we, what are your thoughts on the Hawaii and Hawaiian shirt outfit looks for the Hawaii swing? Have we done too much? Do we need to do more or is it kind of where it needs to be? <sighs> It's hard because I get what the sponsors are trying to do. They want to like get, you know, Hawaii, it's the one time of year we can do this. So I respect it. I don't think the players need to be doing it all four days. I think maybe Sunday. I don't know. But I will say when I'm taking photos off of Getty, they don't look that good in terms of me, like having to cut the player out the, it doesn't cut out as well. So for me, it's a little frustrating, but I get what they're doing. It's fine. It's kind of the, not even the JV version, more like the freshman squad version of what they do for the masters. I would right. say um, it's fine. I don't really care either way. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you. There's been some people that, you know, it's like the untucked Hawaiian, like button up shirt. Oh, people I'm just, freaked out. Yeah. I'm not, well, I'm just not a, listen, I don't care if you tuck it in or not the full button shirt though. Like when, when Phil did the Mizzen and main thing, um, and he wore it the Masters. His was like long sleeve with cuffs, yeah. which was a, a look. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like like we get it. You're in Hawaii. Yeah. Like, like I'm I'm aware. It looks beautiful. <laughs> you know, it's just like every year it kind of they kind of pound it down our our throat there. But like you said, it's probably a sponsor's delight to get to throw that stuff out there. Oh, yeah. But it does get a little overdone. I, would I will say. say this. I've been I've been to Hawaii once. You know what I did? I brought kind of a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> so maybe you just have to do it. I just, I don't even think I really realized I did it until I opened the bag when I got there. And I was like, oh, I packed this. Interesting. It's like you're either going to a business meeting when you have the button down or you're at a frat party when you have the t-shirt at the Hawaiian. I don't know, but. Just just need somebody. Good. I just need somebody in a tank. Um, all right, Claire, where can people find you, read you, listen to you, see you, interact with you, holler at <laughs> you at tournaments? What's the best approach here? Um, K. Claire Rogers everywhere um and golf.com i'll be doing we'll be doing some video stuff surrounding the genesis and hopefully surrounding the waste management it'll be all there and we have a lot of fun stuff coming with max homa the next like 10 days so that's that's all the cover stuff and i saw you did a you're you were very very involved in that right yeah i was there it was fun so uh, and Max is nice is what I'm hearing. This He's all right. From, no, just I'm just kidding. His, we had a from, blast from his, from his mouth to our ears. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's Claire Rogers. Claire, uh, always appreciate the time. 
Um, we will be consistently doing this throughout um, the season. And I'm assuming our next chat will be probably a little bit more of what's going on in the golf space. But, you know, I mean, you and I, we, we should deviate a decent amount when we do yeah, that. Yeah, we so, did. But uh, we'll that's both that. be following a little more closely. A little, <laughs> a little closer at that point. Awesome. Thanks, Claire. Thank you.